Sometimes that's a hard concept for us to fully grasp, to fully comprehend what we just sang, to understanding the way of the cross that leads home, what is involved in it being the cross, what is involved in what is being asked of us as we surrender our life to him, reminding ourselves through the scriptures that even though we have an understanding of who God is, even though we have an understanding of what it is that God has done for us, even though we have an understanding of what he's doing with us and what he hopes to do with us eternally, does not mean that we always respond in a favorable way. Sometimes that way of the cross we, we seek to avoid because it is a way that says we deny ourselves and we take up that cross and we follow him. And it's hard for us at times to crucify self. Self gets into the way or into the picture so many times and in so many ways that sometimes we fail to see that. Paul, in writing to the Romans in chapter 15 and in verse 4, reminds us that the things that were written aforetime were written for our admonition, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So the things that are written before, for Paul, it would be the Old Testament. For us, it would be the Old Testament and the New Testament. were written for our admonition that we might learn the things we ought to do. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians in that first letter, and in chapter 10, in the first 11 verses there, reminds us of some things that Israel did of old that we ought not to follow, that we ought not to pursue. And as you read that section of Scripture, both in 1 Corinthians 10, then also back in Deuteronomy and Exodus and those first five books of the Old Testament, we need to be reminded of that relationship that Israel was going through at that particular time, and then to see how much greater it is for us in the relationship that we have with God. And yet how we can follow that same path that they follow. To have that clear understanding of who God was. To have seen again the ten plagues upon the Egyptians. To see the miraculous de deliverance of crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. They miraculously being provided food and water by God, being led by the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire at night, having clothes that did not wear out and shoes that did not wear out, and yet to have lost perspective of who they were and of who God was. You follow their history and you see a little bit more as you get over into the book of Jeremiah. And in chapter 7, 
Starting at verse 21, Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. Concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Walk in the ways that I have commanded, commanded you that it may be well with you on the earth. Something kicked in. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. But follow the counsels and the dictates of their own evil hearts and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came up out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily, rising up early and sending them. Yet they did not obey me. Or inclined their ear, but stiffened their neck, and did worse than their fathers. Therefore you shall speak all the words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. Quite a charge that God makes against his people. You want to offer the sacrifices. They were a part of what God had commanded, but he said, that's not what I was looking for. And we oftentimes want to do the same thing. We want to make the amends without really have given the heart and the mind to God. He said, what I'm looking for is for you to obey my voice. Simply do what I've asked you to do. You've already seen the mighty hand of God in coming up out of Egypt. You've already seen the mighty hand of God in delivering the land of Canaan into your hands. You've already seen the the hand of God and His being with you, even when you were rebellious. Even when you split the kingdom. And as the ten tribes went to the north and and chose a different way of worshiping God, he had not abandoned them, if you will. He still wanted them to hear his word and obey his voice. But they would not. They would continue that rebellious attitude towards God. He has not changed. His desire is that still we would obey his voice. If you believe that he is, then do what he says. Do not be those who say one thing and then do another. Those who want to keep their their commands and lay aside the commandments of God. 
thinking that their way would be acceptable unto God. We live in a world that does that. We live in a religious world that does that. And at times we are inclined to do that. And it's hard for us really to be reminded. Hard for us to be admonished. Hard for us to be rebuked at times. It's not my way. It's God's way that needs to be done. And as we read the scriptures and study his way, we do find out that his way is totally different than our way. He has a picture that we do not see. He has a purpose that we do not fully comprehend. He has a patience that extends far beyond ours. And yet we're grateful for it in our life, but at times are short to extend that to those around us. He wants us to be willing to learn He's always given us that opportunity. Learn from what has taken place. Why the admonition in the old and in the new is there. Take time to read the history. We have an advantage to a degree, if you will, of being able to read both biblical history, the Old Testament, And a lot of secular history that deals with the same period of time. And it's always interesting to see how they do parallel. And how they describe the things that took place. The world did not understand the hand of God in working with Israel. But neither did Israel understand the hand of God in working with them. They got caught up in their own way at times. When the situations got difficult, when the situations got serious, when it looked like they were going to be overwhelmed by the nations that surrounded them, they oftentimes chose to look to other nations around them to make allegiances with them as opposed to seeking God and what his will would be. And that, in essence, has not really left us as well. But how many times would we rather make the sacrifice, the offer of repentance or forgiveness, rather than offering our own life with all or to all of his desires, to what his needs are, what his wants are, and what he would desire for our people. Are we any different at times than was that of 
King Saul, back in 1 Samuel 15. It's amazing to, to read chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, and then into chapter 15 as well. To see how one who was chosen because of his humility, because of his humble spirit, to become the first king of Israel. As you read about Saul, you find that he was head and shoulders above anyone else in Israel. Regardless of what their height was or the average height there, being a head and shoulder above, that makes you stand out in the crowd. But when he was being chosen as king, he was hiding in the luggage. And as chosen as king, then you see a change takes place. He forgot that he was the king of a kingdom that belonged to God. He saw himself as a leader. Chapter 13, he made decisions that were not proper, not correct, and had to be addressed on those and be admonished as what what the result was of those decisions. You see it again in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 20 and following. And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the plunder, the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. He understood. He's king. What is the responsibility of the servants of the king? Is to obey the king. But Saul didn't do that. He let the people take the best. But he would acknowledge these things that the people have taken should have been destroyed. And sacrifice to you. So Samuel said, to Sam, so Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? What does God take greater delight in? My making the sacrifices, my making atonement for sin of my life being changed to hearing and doing the will of God. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you 
from being king. Saul took the initiative to reject God. God has provided everything that Saul needed. The lesson is for us that he does the same for us. He's provided everything we need. What is our task but to do his will? Part of our doing his will is what we discussed a little bit this morning. Is the attitude of loving your enemies. Seeking what was best for them. And walking humbly in the sight of God. A little bit later in Israel's history, we go over to Micah. In chapter 6, hear now what the Lord says. Arise and plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint. And your strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people. And he will contend with Israel. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? Listen to the Lord speaking. He's speaking to his people whom he loved Plan their becoming a great nation. Plan their becoming a nation through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed of the seed. Guided, protected, delivered. Continue to guide, to protect, and to deliver. And the people rebelled. What have I done to you? How have I wearied you? I tested you to know what is in your heart. The testing has not ceased. God wants to know what is in your heart. Testify against me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Oh, my people, remember how when Balak, king of Moab, counseled, but Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, from Achaia's grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the, the Most High? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with the calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? 
Do you see the attitude that man had? I, instead of changing my life, I want you to tell me what it is that you want from me, God. If I sin, there's a sacrifice. But what sacrifice are you looking for? If you're asking for a ram, what if I give you a thousand rams? Would that appease your God? You want oil? What if I give rivers of oil? Would that appease you? If I continue in my sin, what it is, what would it take to appease you, God? I'm not wanting to change. You tell me the price. Shall I give the fruit of my, uh, my loins? Shall I give my firstborn for the sin of my soul? Would that appease you, God? They missed who God is. And sometimes we do. We fail to see who he is and what it is that he's asking of us. Yes, there is a need for repentance, confession, the changing of the life, the doing his will. But what the Lord is interested in is the life that we lived. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. That's what the Lord is asking for. You do what is right. Because it is the right thing to do. It does not matter whether others do it or not. You do what is right. You do justly. And all the dealings we deal with. Even those who are the enemies, you do what is right. If your enemy is hungry, we looked at that this morning, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him to drink. You do good. And by doing good, you heap coals of fire upon his head. But you do the good. And you love mercy. We desire it. That's what we want in our life. Sometimes it's hard for us to extend that to others. But it's still there. We love mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, forgive me of my shortcomings. God, forgive me of my attitudes. God, forgive me of my stubborn will. Love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. The life we live as a Christian is because of who Christ is. The struggles that we go through as a Christian is because of who Christ is. We are with him, and the world stands against us. But with him, we have the strength that we need to live the life we should. Walk humbly with him. Is he working in us? Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Our God is able. There is to be no doubt about that at all within our lives. Our God is able. But he's more than just able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. And we need to think about that. 
We look at where we failed. We look at our shortcomings. Those around us. And sometimes we fail to see what God is able to do. But it comes from that walking humbly with God. Able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. In the latter part of the verse. According to the power that works within us. That's what makes it possible. That what, that's what makes it beyond who we are. That's what makes it beyond our human abilities to think and to reason. Beyond our human abilities to work things out. It's God working in us. It's our trust in Him. And all that goes forth and all that we go through, what are some of the lessons that we can learn? And many of them are just mainly inward lessons as well as outward. Examine yourselves. Paul would tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Recognize this, that you are in Christ unless you fail the test. But test yourself. Examine yourself. What is the life you're living? What are the attitudes that are being expressed? What are the deeds that are being done? What is the outlook that we have towards others? Is it as God would have it to be? In order that we could be found pleasing in his sight. We continually at times want to make the sacrifices to cover our sins. And fail to realize that we listen to Hebrews 10 Verses 17 and 18. That when we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives and he remembers no more. Also out of 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more, says the Lord. The sacrifice for our sins was the blood of Jesus Christ. Once we have acknowledged them and confessed them, his blood has cleansed them and washed them away. And then when there's been a sacrifice made, there is no more offering to be made. The sacrifice was the blood of Christ. We're not making sacrifices for our sins. We're accepting the grace of his blood to wash away those sins. Then the life that is changed is because of what Christ has already done for us and doing with us and will deal with us throughout this life. Do we trust him? Do we trust him to keep his word? Do we trust him to believe that indeed he knows what he's doing? God has promised that he would walk with us. He's promised that he would never forsake us. He promised that he will be by our side. Do we trust him on his word? He's promised to protect us. Protect us from the evil one. 
Again, you take time to read Scripture describing Satan, his nature, his characteristics, his deception, his willingness to appear as an angel of light and his ministers as servants of righteousness. You look at all those definitions and thoughts concerning Satan and realize that he is after your soul to realize how much how much do I need God in my life to help me find him while the scriptures remind you if you draw near to God he'll draw near to you you resist the devil he'll flee from you but you've got to draw near to God I've got to understand that that's where the strength comes from to draw together and that God gives the strength that we need to withstand the temptations that are placed before us. Again, Jesus in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 10, and it's fighting the temptation with Satan. Again, it's interesting to me and it's beneficial to me when I remember from John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That this living Word of God depended upon the written Word of God to resist Satan. He, didn't, he did not use his own power to resist Satan. He did not use anything that we as a human being would not have access to. And we do have access to his word. So his overcoming Satan was accomplished by his dependence upon the word of God. That's what we have. We have the same word. We have it in its complete form now. But we have the same word that helps us to be able to resist Satan. To know that he cannot overwhelm us. And that God is greater. Again, the paraphrase of 1 John 4, 4. Greater is God who is in you than Satan who is in the world. But we can just remember that. When the battle is intense, there are times when we really need to stop and to reflect. Have we allowed the battle to become personalized and to fight back as individuals rather than our drawing our strengths from God and understanding that's where the battle is. God versus Satan. And to draw the strength we need from God and His Word to stand strong against Satan and His tactics. What direction are we headed? Where is our focus? What draws our attention? as we walk day by day. Pray that our attention and our focus is on God and his word 
And it is our desire to be found pleasing in his sight. Oftentimes, we are, as the invitation song suggests, only a step away. God is stationary. God is powerful. But it's us who takes the step towards him. He's already taken his step towards us, providing our salvation. It's up to us now, only a step away. That's God's desire is that we take the step. That we come to him, if it be to become a Christian, or that we come back to him, if we allow Satan to overwhelm us, and to renew that life with him once again. But we're only a step away. As we look at our heart and as we look at our soul, where are we? And if that step needs to be taken, are we willing to take it? We need to respond to his invitation. But we make that decision this evening by coming as together we stand and sing.